Yeah, today we will continue to explore uh, peace uh, with a cause and peace, out, peace, peace without a cause, peace without a reason. And starting with uh, peace with a cause, using the progressive paradigm, the progressive path, which says something like, I'm not in peace now, what can I do to get there? And yesterday I pointed to some possibilities, kind of making three categories. And the first would be uh, techniques of uh, grounding and calming down. And there's many options, moving the body, the breath, feeling the ground, opening your eyes, dancing is a good one, touch, sharing, yeah, stuff like that. Taking a walk, putting your cat onto your lap, playing with a child. So, different things we can do to ground ourselves in the present moment. Then the second uh, category or step is gladdening the heart. And uh, that has uh, two two gestures in it. One is embracing what is, paying attention to what is. Not only paying attention to what is, but paying attention in a certain way, paying attention in a way that liberates. So this is kindness, tenderness, care in the way we pay attention, but also the wisdom part, the inside part, the vipassana part. In the RAIN model, the investigation into what is. So embracing and then gladdening the heart by watching a Facebook cat video, or contemplating what you could be grateful about. Uh, counteracting or balancing out the negativity bias. Yeah. One of our prison, uh, inner prisons is that negativity bias. We, uh, we, out of habit, and of course there is also something positive in that, our mind is like a dog running out and sniffing for what is potentially difficult, sniffing for problems. So in the practice of gladdening the heart, we send our, our dog out sniffing for something 
pleasant, something we can enjoy, something which touches us, something something which lifts up us, which is gladdening us. For example, a cat video. And uh, so these, uh, these practices, obviously they are manipulating the content of our experience. And we need to do them, or we can do them, if we have the intention. And they arise because the identification with the narrative self. And that's what we need to look after. Uh, we need to look into uh, this afternoon, maybe, how the cause for not peace, the root cause for not peace, is the identification with the narrative self is the distortion of reality into me and the other, the dualistic distortion, the view of non-duality, uh, the, the view of duality. So in the beginning now, the first uh, quiet sitting, uh, I will emphasize a bit uh, the practice of grounding, grounding in the present moment, uh, gravitating towards present moment awareness. If we could just let go of the tensing towards the past and the tensing towards the future, that would be already quite amazing. Probably most of our tensing most of our contraction comes from tensing towards something which is not present anymore because it has happened in the past, and tensing towards something which might happen in the future. So if there's contraction in the body, what are you tensing against? What are you resisting? And probably you will observe quite often it is not real what you're resisting. I mean, can we all agree upon <laughs> that this, if there's something as like reality, if there's something like reality, that this is it? Right? The past. The, the, how does the past exist? As memories, as fantasies, as thoughts. How does the future exist? It's in the same kind of category of, of existence. And we are the only, probably, I'm not sure, because you can't really walk into the, you can't, swimming in the skin of a dolphin or something like that. But probably we are the only mammals on this planet who are not here. 
most of the time. <clears throat> so through the through the through the simple practice of present moment awareness, uh, we can support a relaxing of that resistance, a relaxing of that tensing. And then peace can reveal itself. And here the natural peace, the always present peace, can reveal itself. It can, it can, come, f- it can come forward from the background more into the foreground. So let's take time to arrive and it just doesn't make sense to talk like this, but anyway. <laughs> I mean, you can't arrive where you're already there. I mean, it's the most stupid thing to, be, to say to be here. It's already happening. Anyway, let's come to the present moment. <laughs> let's try to get, get good at being in the present moment, being in the now. Yeah. And the posture might be helpful to you know, adjust, adjust the posture so there is relaxation, but also some kind of alertness, some kind of presence. And if you like, you can close your eyes. If you leave the eyes open, the gaze is relaxed. And you allow the shift to happen, the shift from the doing to being. And part of that shift is also a shift from the head into the body. And you could start with a kind of whole body awareness, whole body including the feet and the legs and the trunk, arms and hands and head. It's uh, checking in, noticing, befriending your own energy as it is. All senses are open. And for some people it's helpful to lightly rest the attention on the breath, on the in-breath. You can also breathe in a bit deeper and a bit deeper out. 
And there's a sense of sliding with the in-breath into the body. And with the breath and awareness, you welcome, like you would welcome a friend. the out-breath, giving space, softening the belly and the shoulders, a bit as if you are sighting. Thoughts continue to arise, the inner dialogue continues to arise, but you don't emphasize it as much. Present moment awareness. witnessing. And if you get hooked or entangled in the in a dialogue in the mental images, you unhook. returning and resting. Looking and resting.
something comes to the foreground, pleasant or unpleasant, you allow that to happen. Just noticing, bringing presence to what is. Sound, sensations, Noticing which parts of your experience pull you in, in terms of trying to manipulate them or try to make them stronger or weaken them. And you just make a backward step into the witness. It's also that the sense of I, the sense of your body, the mental image of the body, the sense of this room, being in this room, all that is being witnessed. There's things from the past bleeding into this moment that's being witnessed. If there's things from the future bleeding into this moment, it's being witnessed.
if you still have a sense that you are somehow sitting in the brain, in the head, see if you can relax that notion. The witnessing is not coming from the brain, it's not coming from the eye. The eye, the brain is being witnessed. nothing to do. There's nothing to do right or wrong. It all happens by itself. The witnessing is effortless and things come and go by themselves. good this morning, then you witness that. If you feel rotten, then you witness that. We can appreciate that it is us who give the meaning to what we witness. can be witnessed.
present moment awareness. And then rest. There might be urges to do something, to practice meditation or whatever. And that's fine, just witness that. then check up, is there stillness here? Is there space here? Is there peace? There are the cars, they're driving through, but is there also stillness, space, peace? Even if there's just a little tiny speck of peace, stillness, space. Presence. 
and yesterday I mentioned <coughs> one ingredient of peace work and that is the intention for peace, the yearning for peace, the longing for peace, prioritizing peace. And I invite you to connect with that intention, maybe through the sentence, may this being experience peace. May this being experience peace. May the people around me in this room experience peace. May my husband, my wife, experience peace. May my son, my daughter, experience peace. May this being experience peace. May there be peace. May there be peace. Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. May there be peace in the world. May this being experience peace. Please, peace, I know you are there, in the depth of my being, reveal yourself. I'm ready. Calling upon peace. I'm willing to open to peace. May there be peace.
the rest. Let's talk a little about uh, attention. Awareness of uh, what you pay attention to. And the possibility of uh, shifting what we pay attention to. This is one of the skills uh, of meditation practice, a skill you start to discover, to direct your attention. This is being trained uh, in the Buddhist uh, practice, uh, in what is called shamatha practice. Maybe it's helpful here to 
use a model uh, from Buddhist psychology of the mind where there is the description of uh, 51 mental factors. which are different capacities within the mind. So we see here mind as a network. A bit like uh, one would um, see the mind as a family, also the so-called internal family system. One could also talk about inner voices, different inner voices, sub-personalities. Yeah, this, uh, this kind of system thinking or process thinking is really helpful because we, li we live in the illusion that within that family system there is a boss, which is me. There's the kind of the control center, which is me. So that would mean I can make a decision about what I pay attention to. And people who try that in their meditation, it's so frustrating. It's impossible, because there is no control center. center. There, is no, there is no I who can say, yeah, I just pay attention to what I'm grateful for, and I will do that for the rest of the day. Easy, easy peasy. Everyone here, listening up. Little girl. negativity bias team, the addicted team, you just shut up. I'm in control. And some people spend years in forcing will no, no, forcing the attention, trying to force the attention with willpower. It's this kind of meditation. <laughs> Shut up, I'm <laughs> meditating on the breath. And, oh, I'm losing it, so I need to, I just need to try to. No, no wonder why many people give up the meditation project, because it's an impossible project. So we need to be uh, more skilled in uh, gently bringing the attention team in contact what is important. And figuring out, so how can I make this system to stay engaged what really matters. 
to bring that which really matters into the foreground again and again. Even if the negativity bias team always comes up with the more important problems to think about, to stay engaged with. Oh, you need to think about that. It's irresponsible not to think about that. It's, it's irresponsible not to suffer from compulsive thinking, from compulsive worrying. And as you know, often it's not the gratitude team driving the bus, but the negativity, negativity bias team driving the bus, or the hurt girl, the hurt boy, the trauma is driving the bus. So when we when we when we stay engaged with, with what is important for us, for example, in the breathing meditation in that moment, what is important for us is uh, noticing the breath. Uh, what is good to appreciate is paying attention to what is important to you in a given moment does not mean that everything else disappears. That's not necessary. That's a misunderstanding of meditative awareness. It's, it's a myth like that meditation is, okay, I have, my, I have that which I stay engaged with and nothing else. This was actually quite important, what I just said. So let's say, let's imagine this room is my internal family system. And you are kind of the, the knots of that system. Of course, it is not like this. You know, so they are not really knots. Everything is interconnected with everything else. Just uh, you know, as as a map. So, like there's my hurt hurt boy over there, and uh, there's uh, uh, memories. There's um, there's a discomfort in my body, and so on. So what I can do, or what can happen, is I can bring one of you into the foreground. I, I will use you. So I bring Charlotte into the foreground of my awareness, and I start to stay engaged with her. That doesn't mean that you all disappear. <clears throat> the pain is still there. My little boy is somewhere there. 
there's maybe some kind of past stuff, some future stuff happening, but you know, I, I stay engaged with Charlotte. So how can I support the process of staying engaged with her? First, there's the intention, then there is curiosity, then there is care, there's love. So it's not like, oh, I need to concentrate on Charlotte. Like, Don't move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then what happens is, yeah, sometimes I get kind of caught up a little in something there, and I notice it, and my curiosity, my love, my care, which I need to nurture. So first, I need, I need to nurture my curiosity for humans, if it's not like natural to me. I, I need to nurture uh, uh, prioritizing contact with people. I need to nurture a, a, a joy in being connected with what I want to be engaged with. Sometimes it happens naturally, but often, you know, often it's like, I mean, we give a shit about others because there's more important thing in the eye movie. I mean, instead of having breakfast with our family, we, we were looking at I on Facebook. Do I want to do that? Is that really what I want to spend my attention to? So this, this is focused awareness. And it is only focused awareness which is able to engage deeply with the object I'm engaged with. So for vipassana practice, for insight meditation practice, uh, I need to I need to bring something into the foreground. So, like, right now, I can't investigate in... I mean, I hardly see you. Uh, you, yeah? I, I, I kind of... I know that you're there, but I can't figure out, are you doing well, or, uh, you know... Uh, so, and this is called peripheral awareness. And I don't need to close it. I don't need to... Yeah? So there's the cars. Yeah? But my system right now, this system, this system right now keeps the connection with Charlotte in the, into the foreground. Not, not because I... Not, bis, not with discipline. But with, yeah, as I said, with curiosity, with... with the reward of the richness of being connected with someone. 
it's a completely different thing as if I, if she would be the breath and I would like, I should meditate on the breath and yeah, it's, it, so there's a, there's a playfulness, uh, an effortless, an effortlessness in that kind of engagement. So if in meditation you and you have understood uh, the the process and the benefits of being able to pay attention to what is important to you choose an object which you can fall in love with So choose something which is precious to you and make it even more precious. I mean, I can make Charlotte more precious by putting some, she's a human being, and so on and so on. Through reflection, I can, I can, I can nurture that. I know I can, I can read, if I need that, I can read a a study about the healing power of empathy, the healing power of connection. And and all of that can become part of a a natural, effortless longing to stay connected with Charlotte. And probably now, for the rest of the day, I can't let go of her. Which, which in this case is not a bad thing because uh, it, it, it's much more pleasant to be connected with Charlotte than with the regret of something I said yesterday. Oh, this stupid thing I said yesterday evening. Oh, I should have said that. It's so horrible. Blah, blah, blah. Me. What about me? Yeah. And that, in, uh, 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 to cultivate that capacity to stay engaged and also the capacity of being aware when you are not engaged anymore. Introspection, that's called the mental factor of introspection. Uh, so this is something, uh, something we, we train. So we, we train the introspection team. There's more awareness about what you pay attention to. And uh, formal meditation is a beautiful way, beautiful way to, 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 to start to see that, to start to, to start to notice that. It's happening now for you. So possibly you pay attention to what I'm saying. You actually do it only 40% of the time. Yeah? That's something I need to make peace with. Yeah? <laughs> I, I, I just hope that this doesn't happen at the same time. Yeah? Because <laughs> 
so uh, in particular those who have uh, you know some experience with and I guess we all have that you know some experience with you know how to listen to lectures how to listen to teachings uh, then uh, so you paid attention to uh, to what I'm saying hopefully in a kind way uh, I mean hopefully hopefully for me uh, um, but then you know, what happens is the the me comes into the foreground right? so my thoughts my yeah and judgments and maybe memories about something or uh, so and then we notice that and then there's this moment ah oh, yeah what did he say I'm actually not here to have my old thoughts, the ones who torture me and every day anyway. Uh, so, so that can again spark a bit of the curiosity. The, a bit of presence. And of course, from my side, knowing, not like, I mean, it's not a thought I have, but knowing that uh, that you are not listening, that you're only listening 40% of the time. Of course, I'm trying to kind of catch you. Yeah? I, I'm trying sometimes to break the, the bubble of me. Me, what about me, my thoughts? So that is a training, and uh, like with every training, if it's done skillfully uh, over time, you will notice that uh, it's happening more often. Like if you work with a gratitude practice, for example. So every day you remember three things you are grateful about. And you pay attention to that, you feel that. And then if you do that for a while, you will notice that this paying attention to what you could be grateful about is happening more often throughout the day. there any questions, comments, also about um, what I said yesterday? Some doubts you have had after the conversation, uh, after the talk yesterday, or something you would like me to move into? Yes. In your meditation, you say, um, and welcome the guests 
in the guest house. Yeah, that's a metaphor for so the guests in the guest house are is what is happening. Yeah, so, like. Um, so, one guest is that I feel some tension in my back. There's some tightness here. There is some thoughts about breakfast. Uh, there is the sounds of the car. So, okay, maybe that's a bit far right now to say that this is the guest house and the guest house of the body. So, but. Um, but it is, uh, it, it is this practice of cultivating a sense of welcoming uh, to what is in the present moment. And the guest house is like the container uh, of all of that. Yeah. Uh, so it is, uh, it's coming from a poem by Rumi. This life is a guest house. And every morning there's guests and uh, and you cultivate the, the attitude it's not exactly like that it's like a poem I just uh, repeated in my own words uh, you, you cultivate the attitude of a gracious host amidst unruly guests and this practice of uh, so it's the practice of embracing, a practice of accepting, allowing. And this is based on a, an insight in the Buddhist teachings, which is that suffering comes from resisting what is. This is one of the sentences you can explore like for 20 years. And, and, and probably you will, you know, it's like a journey with that sentence. Like, you can go deeper and deeper with this. And this is not like a dogma to believe, it is something to check up. So, if it is true that suffering comes from things. This is not good enough. Something is missing. No, this is not good enough. I want to get, I want to, I, I don't want it to happen. So there's tensing against it. And something is missing. So that's the grasping for something else to happen. Yeah. And uh, that's again, that's not something, okay, yeah, it is like that. So you, you check it up. Is there some relief to be experienced when you say yes to what is? So to say yes to what is, first, if you could say yes to what it is, other people would call you Buddha. 
you would be awake. I mean, not like awakening, yeah, but the process of awakening, but you would be awake if you would be able to be a yes to what is. But we, in the process of awakening, we can experience 100% tensing, 100% resistant, resistance, and then softening, 98%. And, and then, you, then you know yourself in your own experience, wow, I, I'm, I'm on something here. So if I, if I open to this a little, I suffer less. So could I open to it even more? And even more. So what we usually do with the guest house in uh, the guest house in the, uh, the guests in the guest house of our experience is, you shouldn't be here like that. You shouldn't be here. Out. I don't like your smell. So we start a war within our own private world. And that's suffering. And there will be always guests who have a bad smell. That's not what uh, enlightenment is, not to have smelly guests anymore. It is loving them. Yes. I was thinking yesterday you said that this is easiest. Yeah. Always. How do you take that in without saying, well, no, we don't have to be responsible for anything? Yeah. yeah. How does it feel when I say this is meaningless? You don't know. <laughs> what meaning does it have? Well, I was just worried if you said that to young people, that would be an excuse for them to say, well, I don't need to do this. Do you think I'm so stupid to say this to young people? Um, well, you said it. <laughs> so, but what, what, what is the... People are smarter than you think, I, I think. But I said it here, yeah? But, uh, so, it seems that you, you think there's meaning. So, what, what is the meaning? What could be a meaning uh, to, 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 you know, if I would talk to young people, what could be, what could be the meaning? I, I, if I would say, wow, life is meaningful. So, what, what could that be? Well, to nurture. Yeah. Yes. And can you see that that meaning is given? Mm-hmm. That meaning is given by you. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think like that. Yeah, try to think as you. Try to, see, try to feel what I'm saying 
that's with you. Because, uh, uh, because obviously, um, you know, in different contexts, uh, what is being said is heard differently. Yeah. Well, I think meaninglessness is like the in freefall, you know. Yeah. That's right. But actually, you don't need something to grasp to. But but that's our that's our uh, that's our instinct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 valid what you, uh, what you say. Uh, you know, when I came across this meaninglessness uh, first time, I was about fifteen, and it was amazing because it empowered me. It was in the writings of the existentialists, Camus and Sartre. It was like amazing. I saw that I am responsible for giving meaning. And I think it just doesn't work to tell another person what the meaning is. Young people don't buy that. What the meaning is to make money? The meaning is, yeah. So for me, this message of meaninglessness, right from the beginning, it was just joy, freedom. And uh, it, I mean, for, for me, saying uh, kind of a bit dramatic, I, I said it also a bit dramatic yesterday, yeah? meaninglessness. It's also, you know, it's, uh, it's for me, I'm saying it also to confront, to startle. To, uh, to make a dialogue like uh, we have now possible. Yeah. If you listen to uh, a few of my teachings, uh, then probably you will hear that I talk a lot about, uh, you know, bodhicitta, what's the meaning of life, precious human life, and, and, and stuff like that. So, so, uh, so that, is also, that, that is also there. Yes. Isn't there something that's prior to the meaningless? Yes, uh, meaninglessness in that sense is to give another meaning. It's the meaning of meaninglessness. So, using the image as like a free fall. 
I just sense that in the three fall there's a loving year. It's just like it's not an empty vacuum. That's a story. It's a nice, it's, it's. I know what you mean. I'm, I'm saying this myself. <laughs> uh, Right now, uh, in, in, in what uh, makes sense to me, uh, right now it doesn't make sense, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to describe that which is prior. It is undescribable. So even if we, if I would use words like unconditional love or essence love or Buddha nature, uh, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about something when I use these words. And if I use words like that, the problem is that the listener might think, ah, yeah, I know what he's talking about. Ah, he's talking about unconditional love. He's talking about awareness. He's talking about Buddha nature. I've heard that before. I think I, try, I start to understand what he's talking about. So this weekend, I, I want to talk more about what you are not and keep that what you are a mystery. To keep that which remains, that which is prior, exactly as it is said in the Buddhist teachings, it is ungraspable, it is undescribable, it is not an object of knowledge. And then probably at one point, maybe tomorrow, <laughs> today is Saturday, yeah? maybe tomorrow I feel a bit naked with that, like a bit, you know, like, oh, I have, this, I have to give these people something, like I have to sneak in love, for sure love, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, not just falling free fall, but, you know, and this, this is what the Buddha did in the th third turning of the wheel. So in the second turning of the wheel, which is one way to categorize the teachings, the Heart Sutra, where he just pushed you over the, over the edge and into the free fall. And then he leaves. Yeah. But he had to kind of fix that up a little. So he had to come up with the idea of Buddha nature. Maybe one could say, I mean, now we are probably what we are now talking about is a, a bit over the top, uh, but uh, I will come back to the uh, peace without cause. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that you take something from this weekend. Yeah. 
something you can do, something you, where you feel, oh, this is helpful, I have understood something. That's, that, that's also good. Yeah. Uh, maybe right now I would express it more like that. In the free fall, there is a response to Do you, know, do you know what I mean? There, there is like the, a response, and that love, that that response could be, could be described as love. It could be described as creativity. Because in that free love, in that free fall, uh, there is openness, there is freedom, there is nothing to hold on to, there is nothing to protect. And then there is responses to, to the world from nothing. And these responses, they are usually more loving, more creative, more joyful, more peaceful than the responses which comes from the identification with the narrative self. So how do we cover, so let's make a leap of faith. The leap of faith is the truth of this moment is peace. That's what everyone says. Yeah, I mean, I could spend the whole Saturday and Sunday to quote Buddha, Jesus, Bob Marley, I don't know who. <laughs> so this is not like, I mean, I'm quoting here not the most stupid people in each generation. No, these are quotes from smart people, wise people. So it's, I think it, it's quite safe not to just push it away and say, well, this is, this is stupid. I mean, how can, how, how can anyone think like this? Yeah, but the Dalai Lama thinks like this. So maybe, maybe it's worth considering. So the leap of faith is into that you have everything available in this moment to be complete, to be at the to, to come to the to be in the end of seeking. Obviously the narrative self disagrees with this. 
the narrative selves tell stories of, no, this is not good enough, and there is something in the future, if I attain that, then I will be peaceful, then I will be whole, then I will be home. And in the beginning of our life, that might be coming to kindergarten, <laughs> yeah. or leaving kindergarten, or you know, going to school, and then finishing school, or then finding a partner, yeah, so stuff like this. And then we bring the same kind of seeking into the spiritual world. Yeah. So that's what the narrative self does. It covers up the fullness of this moment through seeking, through seeking something else and rejecting what is. So a good uh, beginning is to become aware of that. To notice. Wow. I still believe that there's something missing. I still believe that peace is possible if I get rid of this. And if I have that. So this, it's called grasping. Yeah? It's a tensing. This grasping is based on the distortion of duality. It is based on the identification with the narrative self. And I want to talk about this a bit more after the break. So, If you haven't heard this before, I mean, probably you all have heard it somewhere, not something like there is no self, there is no... Yeah, so probably you have heard it. And it could be that you have just disregarded it, like as a strange idea or as something which is too complicated or it's just philosophy that doesn't help me in my life or something like that. Or you have tried to understand it and it didn't, it didn't make sense and then, and then you just dropped it. Please, don't give up on this. And maybe what I'm going to say after the break will not make sense at all, and you think it's, it's so stupid. Just don't give up on this. Because this is something, you know, the insight into no self, it's something, it's something you can do. You know, there, there's something you... We, you can't, we can't do anything in describing or getting into natural peace, into primordial peace. It's grace. It's, it's a mystery. Nobody has figured out that. But what we can do is, we can become aware of what we are not. That's something we can do. If you are scientific-oriented, Look into neuropsychology. 
There's a beautiful book by a neuropsychologist called No Self, No Problem. And it's written by a materialist. So you, you, don't, you don't need to have some kind of idea of essence love or awareness or some, anything like that. If, if your worldview is, this is all made for matter, and it's all by chance, then still you can see that there is no I, no, no self. So, for the break, just to, uh, before the break, just to mention a possible misunderstanding here. So this, this, this self, which is refuted, which is being realized as non-existent, it's a very specific self. So we need to become clear what is actually that which is refuted. Because what is not refuted is habits, personality, thoughts, feelings. That's not refuted. That would be so stupid, right? If I would say uh, there is no self, and I would imply with that there is no personality, there is no character, there is no, uh, no thoughts, there is no feelings, there is no memories. Obviously not. That would be the stupid message ever. Because you would immediately say, hey, no, of course. There is characteristics, there is habits. There is the internal family system. There is thoughts, there is memories, there is feelings. I mean, who, who could ever believe that message? There is the appearance of all these things. Yeah. So that's not what no self means. So let's have a break. We have 15 minutes and then uh, I will uh, probably lead a bit of a meditation uh, starting that that identification of the object of refutation, it's called in Buddhist philosophy. Yeah? Identification. So, there is a thief in your house. Yeah? In the guest house, there is a thief. And this thief really undermines your vitality and joy and your presence. And in order to Ah, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is important is to be able to identify the thief. And the thief, here, in this case, is a sense of a solid, separate, singular eye. That's the thief. A solid, separate, singular eye within the body and mind. That's the thief. And that thief is made up. It's something extra. 
it's it's something constructed. 